Game seven, eight seconds left, home team down by one. Oh, the home team strips the ball and the point guard is all alone. But it appears that there's a wet spot on the free throw line. The fans go silent. Their championship aspirations flash before their eyes. Wait, someone's running out on the court. Oh my, it's the towel boy. How did he clean it so fast? The point guard takes off and dunks the ball. Game over, the crowd erupts. Towel boy, towel boy. Hello, everybody, and thank you for that beautiful standing ovation. My name is Andy. And I'm Landon. And we are the Towel Boys. Yeah, so today we wanted to talk about the biggest trending news in the NBA. Every podcast, every TV outlet, everybody's talking about it, and that is Bradley Beal. Beal. He's having a rough time up in Washington. I feel bad for him. Fellow game. But yeah, he's in a terrible situation. He's a loyal guy. He's trying to emulate those kinds of people that just stay with their one franchise their whole career and are looked up to as an icon by the city for doing so. Damian Lillard is a great example of this. There's a difference between Steph Curry and some of these guys. When you get rings, when your team is good, when, you know, your franchise that you got drafted by, that changes things. That allows you to stay and be happy. There's a lot less friction. You can build your legacy as an individual while also representing the city and your teammates and your organization. But when you're losing like Bradley Beal is losing, and the organization has been trying and trying to build a team around you, and they are not succeeding, something has to change at some point, right? Yeah, and to put that into to simple terms, if I had to explain it, it's, it's easy to be loyal when everything's going your way. When, when times are tough, you really see who wants out quickly and who's willing to really wait and try to salvage it. And Bradley Beal is the perfect example of somebody who is really stuck around. He signed a contract extension. He's doing everything to stay in Washington, but they trade away his backcourt partner and John Wall. Things are not going well with Westbrook. Scotty Brooks is on the hot, hot, hot seat. It's probably going to leave pretty soon. It'll probably get canned. And everything is is falling apart. The ownership, and he's had some problems there. Like Thomas Bryant got injured. Bradley Beal's really trying to stick around, but at some point, it's not salvageable, the situation, and you have to leave before you drown. Right. And this is, you know, basically the middle of his prime. He's leading the league in scoring without anybody to drive and kick to, you know? Like, it's just all him producing the offense. And he just needs to find a situation where he can produce for himself, but his teammates can also pick up some of the slack. And yeah, this stat that I'm about to say really sums up the situation. The last 10 games that Bradley Beal has scored 40 plus points, the Wizards have lost. Oh, and 10. That's what more can you do? especially when you're shooting well and you're efficient in those 40-point nights. Bradley Beal doesn't shoot 8 of 35. He, he's shooting 50%. Yeah, uh, he's just crazy efficient. And with everything going on in the like with the Wizards, with the Thomas Bryant injury, with Westbrook being the exact opposite of Beal in that, yeah, he'll get his 30 points, but it's on like 5 of 20 shooting, like 2 of 9 from 3. And you're sitting back as the Wizards just saying, we didn't get along with John Wall as an organization. That time went by. We had to trade a bad contract for a bad contract. We had no other choice if we wanted to get rid of John Wall. And this guy has not helped our situation either. What more can we do for Bradley Beal? The answer is you accept his trade request, which seems to be inevitable at this point. Yeah, Westbrook, I mean, you mentioned that the situation hasn't gotten any better. I would argue it's gotten worse. I just I don't think Russell Westbrook's the right backcourt mate for Bradley Beal. Beal needs another guy who can space the floor and allow him to attack, and Westbrook is all about attacking. Beal needs to be on ball. He's just a better playmaker at this point in his career than Russell Westbrook. 
So with all of that being said, we heard feedback about our first Towel GMs episode, and it was all positive. It seemed to be the favorite among all of our 34 podcasts we've produced so far. So we are going to do a variation of that today with Bradley Beal Trades and the Washington Wizards. The Towel Brads. Let's go. (laughs) So basically how we're going to make this work, I composed nine different trades from eight different teams for Bradley Beal. Andy will be the Washington Wizards GM. I will be the GM of each of the teams proposing trades. And within these trades, Andy can either accept or reject the trade. He cannot add or subtract anything. I cannot add or subtract anything. We just want to make it simple. I put the best offers that I thought these teams would would throw at the Wizards for Beal. And yeah, Andy will basically explain his logic. I'll explain my logic. And then we'll just discuss whether we accept or reject the trade. Yeah, and just to be clear, I will not be imitating the mindset of the current Wizards GM and ownership. This is me, a realistic, normal intelligent mind as the wizards gm which is something they don't currently have (laughs) shots fired you know the ownership they're really clingy but i'm going to be trying to understand and really project the wizards actual situation and really being realistic and saying look bradley beald if we can get a big haul for him it's worth it so i'm not going to say i'm not we're not going over nine here i will be realistic awesome so let's get right to it so, I am GM of the 76ers, Daryl Morey in this case, and I want Bradley Beal. I'm willing to offer you a young all-star in Ben Simmons, Shake Milton, Matisse Tybul, Tyrese Maxey, a 2023 first-round pick unprotected, a 2027 first-round pick unprotected. And what we'll do is we'll repeat these all. We'll say them all again. So, Landon, just go through it a second time so everybody can sure. hear it because it's a lot. It is, for sure. So, once again, GM Andy of the Washington Wizards, I will offer you Ben Simmons, Shake Milton, Matisse Tybul, Tyrese Maxey, a 2027 unprotected first-round pick, and a 2023 unprotected first-round pick. What say you? Okay. So I'm thinking. So of course, oh, let me let me add. This is for Bradley Beal and Ish Smith to make the cap work. Okay, well that's fine because that's irrelevant at this point. For <laughs> trading Bradley Beal, it's about the hole. Anybody else can go. So I'm I'm looking at the team we have now, and of course Russell Westbrook's not a long term solution, but he is there now. So a backcourt of Ben Simmons and Russell Westbrook is the first thing I'm thinking of, and that is just that's Eric Bledsoe and Lonzo Ball on steroids. <laughs> that that is. That is a tough start. For but sure. Looking at it, Shake Milton is a quality player now. Um, of course, he's not somebody you're going to rely on in the future. Tyrese Maxey and Matisse Tybel are the young guys in this trade alongside Simmons. And Tybel's a great 3 and D guy who has the potential to develop more of an offensive game. And Maxey has shown a lot of signs of productivity, and he looks pretty good, and he's young. And then the two picks will come in handy. So you said one of the picks is 2023, right? Yeah, so we got a 2023 and a 2027. Right. So the 2023, if I'm looking at it, the Sixers with their current team, that's probably not going to be a great pick. So it's probably somewhere near the back end. That's um, not as valuable as an asset of an asset as I can really imagine. The 2027, who knows? You can't judge that. It's a first-round pick. Right. So looking at it, comes down to whether I believe Ben Simmons is a star that we can really – explain why we're giving up Bradley Beal for and frankly I don't it's it's a lot it's a big haul I think Maxi and Tybal are good players but ultimately it comes down to the trust in a guy like Ben Simmons and given our current situation with young guys with Denny with Ruby Hachimura these guys aren't incredible space floors uh floor spacers excuse me <laughs> and we really need somebody who's more able to shoot so I'm going to have to say no to this one Well, let me stop you right there because, first of all, let's get a little more back and forth before we just uh, accept or reject. So let me explain my perspective for the 76ers fans out there. 
Ben Simmons is an amazing player. He will be a perennial all-star. He's having a rough start to this season, but let's not let recency bias dictate what we you know, think he can be in the future. The fact of the matter is he's a top five defender. He's a ball handler. He's one of the best passers in the league. He does a lot for your team. The shot hasn't developed. That isn't a problem for some teams because if you put floor spacers around Ben Simmons, he can be the uh, the star of your team. He really can. He is just an amazing facilitator. We have Joel Embiid on our team. He's the most dominant big man in the game, and he needs space on the inside that Ben Simmons simply does not provide. That is why we are targeting Bradley Beal. It's why we targeted James Harden. We want a star that complements Joel Embiid more than Ben Simmons does. And I understand your argument about the Simmons-Westbrook backcourt, but let me ask you this. Are you really focusing your long-term plans around Russell Westbrook? Like that might be painful to watch for half a year, a year and a half, whatever, but Westbrook's barely going to play. Let's be honest. He's always injured. Simmons is the kind of guy you can build around for the next 10 years. I understand that. I think that there's better value in young guys across the league. And like I said, the argument with with Denny, Advija, and Rui Hachimura, um, two young guys who have a lot of potential, but neither of them are elite shooters. So adding Ben Simmons to the mix, if you want to call that your trio of the future as of now, surround him with Maxi and Tybal. None of those guys are elite, elite shooters. And frankly, I, I don't see a situation where Ben Simmons is the leader of a team. I don't think he's the number one option yet. And I think there are other young guys who can develop more so as that number one option that we'd be more interested in. Yeah, I I understand that. But I mean, look at the other pieces you're getting. That 2027 first round pick, like you said, that could be, you know, the number one pick for all we know. It's just impossible to predict. Tyrese Maxey, I mean, we love this guy. We're only throwing him in here because Beal is 27. We wouldn't. We were on the verge of trading him for Harden, but we actually withheld him from that deal. So look, when we're offering you this slate of young guys, you're not going to get much more talent along with the picks from any other team in the league. I think we will be getting more picks. I Once again, Maxi has proven to be a really good young piece. Uh, frankly, this the, the concern mainly isn't around those young pieces. And you can throw the argument about a 2027 pick being a first overall pick. It could also be 30. They could win the champ- six. You guys can win the championship then. Who knows? That's all speculation. We could bring that up about any pick. Bottom line is there's teams that can offer more picks and a better young guy that we, we really think is more valuable. Ben Simmons, whether it's fair or not, is, is having his worst scoring season. And for him to be the best player on a team, you really need somebody to be able to step up and score. It's a little bit easier to look at him in that in the aspect of being a superstar when he has Joel Embiid really dominating the offensive end and having another guy like Tobias Harris. For us, that's not the case. So that's why I'm going to have to stick with no. All right. So the Wizards 76ers trade ends in a no. On to Celtics Wizards. I am the GM of the Celtics. And I am offering Jalen Brown and a 2027 first round pick. Now, let me uh, come out of character for a second. I don't think the Celtics would actually do this. I'm just saying what I think they would have to offer in order to get Beal. So back to the negotiation. Jalen Brown in a 2027 first round pick. Yep. Let me think through this, kind of talk through it. So Bradley Beal, 35 points a game. He's been sensational in his prime, really pushing to be a top 15 player in the league right now. Jalen Brown, though, who's he's got to be 20, I think he's 24 years old. He's got three years left if you think they're going to retire at the same time. Um, three years younger. He's dropping 27 right now. And, of course, you have the incredible defense that Brad doesn't have. The biggest difference between these two players right now is that Bradley Beal has this advanced playmaking skill set that Jalen doesn't have. But that's something that we think, as a Wizards organization, we can instill in Jalen Brown, giving him the ball as a number one option. We really like this guy. He has a lot of potential. still think he can be even better. So this one, I think I would probably say yes to. 
Yeah, I, I expected that. And once again, out of character, this was the best offer that I made. Like, this is the clear winner. If you can get Jalen Brown from the Celtics, you do this. The Celtics probably wouldn't do this because they're sacrificing the two-way play of Jalen for an offensive stud in Brad. Um, but I wanted to include it just to kind of discuss what the Celtics would need to give up because they don't have a lot of younger pieces that they can throw into a deal. So it really revolves around Jalen. Right. So, and the biggest, the biggest issue, if you're looking at the Celtics, if they did accept that is having a Kemba Walker, Bradley Beal backcourt, which has negative defense. Absolutely. Um, all right. So just jumping back into character, I'm going to pretend to uh, rationalize this as a Celtics GM. So we fell to the Miami Heat in six games last year, pretty much fully healthy. We lost Gordon Hayward, added Tristan Thompson. I mean, when I'm looking at this team, how much higher of an upside can we have? We're literally depending on Kemba to be better. And as you saw last night against the Lakers, it's not looking like he's he's on an upward trajectory whatsoever shot like one for 12 with like four points. You look at Jason Tatum. This guy's better than Jalen Brown. That much is clear. He's our number one. And while Jalen has had a fantastic start to the season, you look at him in the playoffs last year and you wonder, can he really step up in the big moments as a shot creator the way that Bradley Beal can? What Bradley Beal would bring is playmaking. Like GM Andy of the Wizards said, Beal is a fantastic playmaker that Jalen does not do as much of. He always has his head up to make the right play. And putting him alongside Tatum and Kemba would make the offense a lot more fluid. Jalen takes a lot of mid-range jumpers. He can absolutely stall the offense at times. And adding Beal, the best scorer in the league right now, could really help our offense flow. And sometimes it just does get stuck with our ISO guys. That's the rationalization. Once again, uh, I don't know. I don't think the Celtics would actually do this. It would be shocking if that trade went through. I, like, I, I don't necessarily think it's a bad trade for either side. It would just be something, because you hear all this talk about Tatum and Brown for life. <laughs> the future of the Celtics. They always will be, even when they're 35. They're only 20? So... It, it would be weird to see, but I, I do think it would make the Celtics better right now. I don't know about years from now. Yeah, I think that's that's a fair assessment. So, next team. I am the GM of the Heat, and I come to the Wizards GM with this offer. Tyler Hero, Kendrick Nunn, Duncan Robinson, Andre Iguodala for cap filler purposes, and Chris Silva also for cap filler purposes, and a 2027 first-round pick, I would have to unprotect my 2025 pick with Oklahoma City in order to dish this one out. But I'm willing to do that for a talent like Beal. So once again, Hero, Nunn, Duncan Robinson, Iguodala, Chris Silva, and a 2027 first-round pick for Bradley Beal. Okay, let's break this down. So, first of all, the 2027 pick. Uh, once again, that could be anything, but it is just one pick compared to other offers that we might be able to get two or three at. That's the first thing that I see. Looking at the rest of it, Chris Silva has doesn't have too much impact on the trade. Either does Iguodala. It's a good veteran presence that can help develop young guys, so it's a little sweetener. Um, of course, we're not trying to win now, so the salary cap doesn't matter. But... Again, those don't really matter. Let's look at the core of this trade, which is Tyler Hero, Kendrick Nunn, and Duncan Robinson. So a lot of people are varied on, on their real thoughts on Kendrick Nunn. Some people think he has real potential and should really be in the heat rotation. And some people think that, well, it's coming in second in Rookie of the Year is probably the best that he'll ever play. And frankly, we're probably closer to the latter. Kendrick Nunn is already... I think 24 25 years old um he's even older than tyler hero and, and some other guys he's pretty close to bradley beal in age and while he's a decent scorer it's pretty he's a pretty inefficient scorer at that and 
not too good of a defender. So kind of moving aside Kendrick Nunn, we have Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson, two unbelievable shooters. Duncan Robinson being one of the best catch, just catch and shoot guys in the league who's setting all kinds of records. Probably going to be the first one to hit 400 threes in his career. Trey Young just did it. He's going to smash that record. So Duncan Robinson is definitely tempting. The issue with Duncan is that we're probably going to have to pay him next year when he's a free agent, and he'll probably want 15 to $20 million, and that's something we have to think about. Is he worth paying that much um, when we're really not that good of a team? So that makes Duncan a little bit less tempting, but now let's get to the real prize of the trade, Tyler Hero, who had an unbelievable rookie year and was great in the playoffs. So looking at Hero, some people compare him to that Devin Booker, Bradley Beal archetype where he is able to score really well and playmake. Um, I'm not too worried about his shooting this year because it's even though it's down just because of some COVID-related things. You, you never know. It's a weird season. However, it ultimately comes down to the question of do we think that Tyler Hero can ever reach the level of Bradley Beal or get anywhere close? And frankly, I'm not sure that's necessarily a yes. But before I decide, I would like to hear more input on you, Landon, GM of the Heat, as to why you think this trade benefits both parties. Well, for you guys... I will say you already have Davis Bertans on that ridiculous, you know, catch and shoot contract. So you're probably looking at re-signing Duncan to a similar deal and then trading one of them to a contender because everybody wants those types of pieces. Um, like you said, Tyler Hero is the core of this deal. And here's the thing. Duncan Robinson is one of the three most important players for the Heat offense, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and Duncan Robinson are essentially the creators in terms of creating space for others. Jimmy can always pass the ball on his drives. Bam, we run offense through him at the top of the key. And without Duncan's gravity off ball, both of those guys would be less effective. Same with Goran Dragic and Tyler Hero. They're very important as well, but a lot of people don't understand what Duncan Robinson does for a team with two mostly non-shooting stars. Duncan is incredibly important. Tyler, we think of him like somebody that can be Devin Booker, but better. He has shown so much as a rookie that we are so invested in his development, giving him up for a guy like Beal is incredibly difficult. The thing about our team is Jimmy Butler is 31, going on 32, and Goran Dragic, 34, 35, like he's going to, you know, keep aging. We're planning on keeping him around. We want to compete with the team that we have now. And Beal is young enough at 27 years old to where us trading our entire young core, minus Bam, for... Bradley Beal, it still hurts us a lot, but we think that his offensive-mindedness alongside our defensive stars makes too much sense not to go after. It's a, it's a good pitch, and it does make sense for your organization, the Miami Heat, as to why you'd want Beal. You could definitely push for a ring now alongside Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. However, looking at looking on the flip side for us, I'm I'm not while Tyler Hero can be an incredible player, I think you guys are valuing him too high of a price. Saying that he could be Booker but better, it's it's a lot to us. We see that as a stretch. He he's a really good player. I I'm just not sold on Tyler Hero being a definite superstar. And as to the makeup of the current Wizards and the future of the team alongside Rui and Denny, who are really the, the core of the future if we give up Beal, those guys are primarily offensive guys. There's not that much defense. So adding Duncan and, and Hero as the main guys in this trade isn't going to help that at all. Somebody, if you, got, if you guys added to the trade, I know we're not negotiating, but if you added somebody like Precious Achua, who's a young guy who can play defense, that might help spice this trade up a little bit. Unfortunately, just with the offense and with 
really us seeing Tyler Hero is the, the huge piece in this because Duncan needs to get paid and Kendrick Nunn we don't really have that much faith in. I think we're going to have to side with no on this one. Fair enough. That was the most I was going to do. We need to keep Precious as a backup big man. But I understand where you're coming from. So on to the only team that has two potential offers for the Wizards. I'll start with the first one. I am GM of the Denver Nuggets, and I'm speaking to GM Andy of the Wizards. I'm offering you Gary Harris for salary filler, PJ Dozier, the centerpiece of the trade, who we cannot think enough of, Michael Porter Jr., 2027 first-round pick, 2025 first-round pick. Okay, this is interesting. So we have two first-round picks, which is good value, one being in 2025, one in 2027. You never know how those will turn up. But assuming that they are from the Nuggets, they might not be great, but who knows because they're far away. So looking at the trade, P.J. Dozier, decent young player. We like, we like the hustle, the shootings there. He's got some decent defense. Michael Porter Jr., of course, and Gary Harris for salary cap filler. That's the trade, right? Yep, that's it. Gary Harris, decent player. We can definitely bring the most out of him now. Um, we'll he's fill into a, Yeah, and he'll fill into a starting role. I think he's still probably 26 or 27. But Michael Porter Jr., boy, oh boy, am I, am I high on this guy. He has limitless potential. And this guy is playing at a ridiculous rate right now, shooting almost 50% from three in the nine games he's played, shooting 56% from the field. He's dropping 17 and seven. People compare him to Kevin Durant. We're not going to do that, but he he is a 6'9", 6'10", guy with a big wingspan who can score, which is crazy. And that that for us is something that we really cherish the size and the, the playmaking and just, just the potential, even the ability to develop defensively because the size being 6'10". It's something that we have a lot of interest in. So help us understand a little bit more. What, why do you believe that Michael Porter Jr., along with these other two players in this trade, can really equal the value of Bradley Beal? Well, it's the potential, of course. I mean, look, this guy has defensive liabilities. We're not trying to hide that. You know, we're not trying to boost his value to fool you. We're being honest right now. He is offensively already at a point where you can put him on the floor and he can be the best scorer on your team. That's how he could replace Beal as a young guy. But when you look at his 6'10 height, his wingspan, his quickness, he has the full package to be a rangy wing that dominates the league. You look at, sure, Kevin Durant, but like LeBron, um, go back, Scottie Pippen, like Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, these guys that are like 6'10 with the wingspan, those are the guys that seem to be able to take off and really thrive if they have the offensive mind, which he does. So you're looking at Michael Porter Jr. as a guy that has already shown flashes of being an elite offensive player in this league. You get a defender. I know you rejected the Heat's offer because they didn't offer you much defense. Gary Harris, he changed our entire outlook in the bubble last season. When he got healthy and came into the Jazz series, we were down 3-1 to one and we came back and won that series largely because of his contributions and his defense on Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley. Uh, the two first-round picks, like, of course, those are necessary to get Beal, but, you know, like we keep saying, picks out in the future, you don't know what those could be. Those could be really valuable. Jokic will be older by then. Who knows what will happen with Murray and Beal. But for our team, we got to go for it, man. I mean, look, we are in like the upper range of the league every year. Nobody thinks we're going to win the title, and they probably shouldn't. We're missing something. I don't know if that's an offensive spark plug. I don't know if that's the leading scorer in the league because we already run our offense through Jokic, 
but we think a trio of Bradley Beal, Jamal Murray, and Nikola Jokic would be enough to take down both LA teams, and we have to do something because we can't just sit in this mid-range of contenders anymore. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, Of course, any team, as we know, with Bradley Beal is instantly better. There's very few players that you shouldn't want to trade for him. He's that incredible. Looking at our end, the upside of Michael Porter Jr., the reason why we like him as really the probably the best young piece outside of guys like Luca who will never be traded in the league is is the size and just his the position he plays is so essential in today's NBA. Being a wing, it's really those are the positions that dominate. You look at LeBron, like you said, Kevin Durant, another one's Kawhi Leonard. These guys are small forwards, power forwards who can kind of move two through four. Jason Tatum's another guy who's up and coming. Jimmy Butler. These kinds of players, they're they're valuable because they can do everything. And we see Michael Porter Jr., who's, who is somebody who can do everything. Of course, P.J. Dozier isn't doing too much to sway us, even though he's a decent bench piece if we add him. Gary Harris does help a lot with the defense, and he's still pretty young. He's on a decent contract. It's not ridiculous, and it's somebody that we can see sticking around for a while. Along with the two first-round picks, which is really a big difference maker. Two is a big difference. I think we're going to say yes to this one. Awesome. You got yourself a deal. Um, But if you had said no, let me enlighten you with my second offer that I would have proposed. So here you would get our young, well, you could say Michael Porter Jr. is our young stud, so our a little bit older stud, Jamal Murray, (laughs) who we love to death. He came through for us in the bubble last year. He basically took down the Los Angeles Clippers and the Utah Jazz alongside Nikola Jokic with that one-two punch. That was largely due to what they could do offensively. I talked about the Gary Harris thing earlier, but obviously they are nowhere in like position to take down either of those teams without Jamal hitting the clutchest shots we saw in the bubble last season. So we're going to offer Jamal Murray in this deal, RJ Hampton, a 2027 first round pick and a 2025 first round pick. So the picks from the Michael Porter Jr. deal stay the same. Jamal Murray and RJ Hampton. Okay. So looking at this, the two picks are enticing. Really, in the what we're what we're looking for as an organization is two at the very least. Um, teams that can offer three are really at a at an advantage, but two is enough. Um, looking at the rest of this, you have R.J. Hampton, who's a young guy. We don't know how he's going to be. We haven't seen too much tape on the guy, but but the Wizards' developmental system that's something that we can work with him on. The real the real guy in this trade, of course, is Jamal Murray. So let's break down Murray a little bit. He's 23. He's putting up 19 a game. The, there, there are a few issues that we have. While Murray's incredibly young, and you were spot on, he was an outstanding performer in the bubble. We're talking clutch shot after clutch shot, just like you said. That really impressed us. That, that was the potential that we saw in Jamal Murray flash before our eyes, where we're like, wow, this guy can be a superstar. The issue is, Outside of the bubble, we really haven't seen that level of play. And while he did it in the, at the most important time and he could do it again, we haven't seen it exactly. The three-point shooting, it's pretty good. The field goal percentage, a little bit lower than we'd want. And to us, Jamal Murray in the future is more of a high-end two option than a one, primarily because he is slightly more on the inefficient side as well as him not being an elite playmaker. Of course, Jokic has the ball in his hands, which is probably why it affects Jamal Murray's assist numbers and and passing and just his general outlook as a playmaker, but it is an area of concern for us. So explain to us why you think Jamal Murray can really reach a level near Bradley Beal. Look, I mean, betting on Michael Porter Jr. is a lot riskier than betting on Jamal Murray. We've already seen Jamal Murray be a number one on the offensive end of the floor for an entire playoff series. We know that he can do that. So by us trading him for Bradley Beal, what we're bringing onto our team is a guy who we know consistently does it in the regular season 
we've seen Jamal Murray put up, you know, big numbers in the playoffs more recently than we've seen Bradley Beal do it. This isn't like some kind of lopsided trade in our view. We're giving up a guy who we know can do this. We just feel like we need the name recognition for this Nuggets team to really make our name pop and instill fear in our opponents. Right now, Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic simply are not doing this. For you guys, like you said, this guy's like 23. He can do everything that you need him to do, and he's only getting better. He hasn't even hit his prime yet. You're getting four extra years on Bradley Beal, and with the two first-round picks we're giving you, you can just build around this guy as a probable number one option based on what we saw in the bubble and his eventual buildup into that kind of player more consistently. Considering Beal wants out anyways, you're not going to find many better players than Jamal Murray, who you've already seen do fantastic things in this league. It's just unlikely that you're going to get a lot of, of players that top him. So interesting to bring up Michael Porter Jr. I'll touch briefly on that. I, I do think that Michael Porter Jr. has more upside than Jamal Murray based on the size, what we've seen in short flashes. Yes, Jamal Murray was insanely clutch in the playoffs. But I don't know. I think the rest of his career is is something that we look at and we say he's gradually gotten better. But the jump that I saw, I specifically saw watching Michael Porter Jr. was insane. And I think that is something that he can do over and over again. He was a projected top three, number one pick before he got hurt. And that's something that I'm really interested in. The length, the the athleticism, the playmaking, just the overall like razzle and dazzle that Michael Porter Jr. has. Yeah, I, I, I have I this concern. Saying, I don't know if Jamal Murray can be a number one option. So I wasn't saying that Murray has more upside. I think Michael Porter Jr. clearly has more upside. What I'm saying is we know Jamal Murray's floor. He's going to be at least a 19 points per game, six assist guy that can run your offense, put people in the right positions, and hit clutch shots. like that. Those are all given. And we've seen Michael Porter Jr. be so bad on defense that we are like, like if he continues to do that throughout his career and not care about that end of the floor, even with his frame, he probably will not reach the peak that you and I are expecting him to reach. I'm just saying Jamal Murray is a safer bet in that he has a higher floor and a lower ceiling. And I, I couldn't agree more that, that Jamal Murray has a higher floor. That that's we don't need to say that. That is that is known. The thing with the Wizards is if we're giving up Bradley Beal, we are folding our cards. We are starting over, square one. And that we need the highest potential player to give our fans something to still come to games for next year, of course, hopefully. And Jamal Murray is a better player now. Him and Westbrook, they could lead a team maybe to a 10 seed or a 9 seed. That's something that, that you know, it's possible. But we don't want that. We want the best potential. We want the ceiling guys who can really, really showcase what they got in a few years. And that is something that we believe Michael Porter, Michael Porter Jr. Is, is fit better for. And that that is simply why we don't believe that Jamal Murray is the kind of player we're looking for at this point. He's a great young guy, but the ceiling isn't there for us, which is why we're going to have to say no. All right. Um, so as the Nuggets for that trade, some people might say they would never give up Jamal Murray. I actually think that might be the better trade for them, which kind of makes sense considering Andy said yes to the Michael Porter Jr. trade and no to the Jamal Murray trade. I think the Nuggets, I think Bradley Beal complements Michael Porter Jr. and Nikola Jokic better than he would compliment Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic because all of the shots and all the times that Jamal Murray had the ball in his hands during the playoffs last year, you just want that to be Bradley Beal anyways. Right, and that that last part is exactly true. You want Bradley Beal as the point guard of your team in clutch situations. And plus, I don't think the Nuggets, frankly, are going to win this year or next year. If you wait a couple of years, like two years down the line, Michael Porter Jr., very good chance he's a better player than Jamal Murray. He might be that good. And then Jokic is still going to be in his prime. He's just hit it. And then Bradley Beal is going to be 29. So that's that's the 
time frame I see for the Nuggets. Two years from now is the perfect time. Yeah, I, I agree with that vision. So, okay. I am now GM of the Portland Trailblazers. I come to you, GM Andy of the Wizards, and I say, we have been in this cycle for too long with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, and it's time to break it up. CJ McCollum's 29, Bradley Beal's 27. So you're losing two years in this trade. But I will give you CJ McCollum and one of our favorite, favorite young pieces because of his effort every night, Gary Trent Jr., a 2023 first-round pick and a 2025 first-round pick. You're getting another stud shooting guard. Like You don't need to ask who's replacing Bradley Beal's you know, volume and efficiency, because we know CJ does both of that, those things. And Gary Trent is a fantastic young player on a good contract this year. You can pay him a reasonable amount this summer and have him locked in. So what say you? I'll keep this one relatively short. The picks, probably going to be pretty good picks. I don't foresee, unfortunately, your team sticking around for three, four years being amazing. You're going to be paying lots of guys. That team could fall apart. Who knows? It's an incredible backcourt with Damon Beal, though. Something that you, I'm sure, as the GM of the Blazers, you would love to get done. The issues for our end as the Wizards are obvious. CJ McCollum is older than Bradley Beal, which is in the wrong direction of where we're trending, and that's a bad sign. Yes, Gary Trent Jr. is young, and we love him. He's a great defender, a great three-point shooter, brings this fire and energy that not that many guys in the league bring. He's one of my favorite young guys in the league. I really respect him as a person, as a player, what he's able to do on the court. I love him. But the, the simple fact of the matter is, C.J. McCollum is not the kind of player we're trying to get back for Bradley Beal. All right, your loss. <laughs> yep, that one I'm done with. Goodbye. Good riddance. Yeah, no, that, that was expected. I, I definitely... I wanted to throw it in there because, look, like that will probably be on the table. But like Andy said, no, the Wizards should probably say no to yeah. that. And and let me add that, um, and of course we're not considering that McCollum's really hurt right now, but like, let, let me add that CJ McCollum on the Wizards could easily put up 30 points a game. It's true. I, like, he is a phenomenal scorer. He's better than most people think. He's shooting 44% from three this year. Like, He's taking 11 threes a game and he's shooting 44% from three. And he's, he's probably a top five mid-range shooter in the league. Right. McCollum is a top 10 scorer in the league. I, I really believe so. I think he might be a better true scorer than Dame. Dame is a better three-point shooter and can get hot, but who do I trust night in and night out to be more efficient and hit shots? Might be CJ McCollum. He's an excellent scorer. The issue is, though, he's 29, and that's really not what the Wizards are looking for at this point. All right. Next trade... I am GM of the Golden State Warriors, and this should entice you, in my opinion. I'm willing to give you Andrew Wiggins, who's having a career year, revitalized because of our program. Not to brag, but I'm bragging. Damian Lee, Eric Pascal, Jordan Poole, a 2026 first-round pick of our own, and this is the enticing part. The Minnesota first-round pick for this draft. Run through that one more time for everybody. Andrew Wiggins, Damian Lee, Eric Pascal, Jordan Poole, our own 2026 first-round pick, and the Minnesota Timberwolves 2021 first-round pick. They are currently either the, I think they're the second-worst team in the league right now. All right, so let's kind of separate um, the key parts of this trade from not. So that, that first-round pick this year, the Minnesota Timberwolves, of course, super valuable. That That is something that we regard highly, think highly of. That is, that is phenomenal pick, could be a top-five player, especially in a draft where, I mean, this is the first year that I think you don't have to be in college, right? Exactly. So, that, so. That's why this pick is so valuable. So that, that player could be an elite, elite guy. Andrew Wiggins, you said it's a career year. I can't disagree. I'd say that I I, I don't know necessarily if it's a career year in, in, in all around aspect, but it's the best he's ever played defensively and the most he's bought into a system. So if you want to showcase that as as really him taking strides forward, sure. I mean, it's his, I think it's his 
eighth year, seventh year in the league. And he his scoring has gone down, but of course he has to he's passing the ball more. So we we like Andrew Wiggins. We think he's a good player, but is he the guy in the future? No, he's two years younger than Bradley Beal, and he's significantly worse. Eric Pascal is a really good young piece. That that's he's a really good player, and that's a guy that is pretty enticing. He's could easily be a third or a fourth option, and on a, on a team he could start pretty much be a stretch four because he's got a pretty good shot. Damian Lee is a good young player, but that's not too much in the trade. And then, of course, the, you guys have another pick you're giving us. And and really thinking about it, I don't know how long the Warriors are going to be amazing for it because, I mean, Steph's on the wrong side of 30. Draymond's probably pretty close to that. Clay's coming off two injuries. So that pick could end up being pretty useful. However, to, to come at us and offer us a first pick without including... James Wiseman, to me, is is straight up offensive. I, think I don't that- think you understand the value of this Minnesota first round pick this year. Like this is probably the most coveted asset in the league because of the high school and college double draft, and the fact that guys like Cade Cunningham are going to be available. And this is pretty much solidified to be one of the best picks, if not you know the best pick in the draft. Well, I'll just say that Cade Cunningham is in college as a freshman, so he would have gone pro regardless of the rules. No, no, of course, of course. I'm just saying he's one of the guys in this draft. That, yes. Those are two separate um, thought yes. processes. Cade Cunningham, if you want to flip him in as that pick and, and kind of show that, it, like, yeah, he's going to be sensational. He's an excellent player. He's already showing flashes of being a triple-double machine and being an awesome, awesome guy. It's Bradley Beal, though, and... To be completely fair, I can't just look at this trade as what are we getting. I have to think about the other side. Am I really going to send Bradley Beal alongside Steph Curry, eventually Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and James Wiseman? I don't think I could do that for the rest of the league, and I don't think that number one, potentially number one pick, um, is really enough to sell me and say, well, look, you got we're sending you a bunch of young guys. None are too good. And here's Andrew Wiggins. We'll flop Andrew Wiggins in front of you. But this pick, that's the coveted aspect, uh, asset of the trade. And yes, it's it's extremely coveted. It's an amazing pick. But I can't do that because there is no James Wiseman and because I would be sending Bradley Beal to the Splash Brothers. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to say no to this one. All right. I got a no down. So now this is another trade that I don't think will happen, but here we go. I am GM of the Dallas Mavericks, and I'm coming to you, and I'm saying, man, we need to get some more talent alongside Luka. Here's what I'm willing to offer you. This is pretty much everything I have. Josh Richardson, Dorian Finney-Smith, Maxi Kleber, Jalen Brunson, a 2025 first-round pick, and a 2027 first-round pick. So run through it one more time. Josh Richardson, Dorian Finney-Smith, Maxi Cleaver, Jalen Brunson, 2025 first-round pick, 2027 first-round pick. So again, kind of repeating the same things. The two first-round picks are enticing right off the bat. That, that is it's a significant upgrade from one. Two first-round picks, two quality players in the future really down the road in 2025 and 2027, which probably fits the time frame of this team more so when we have to start paying our young guys and then we can draft rookies. The issue is that these other four guys, all quality basketball players and who have some upside, where's that Bradley Beal level potential? And Jalen Brunson might be my favorite of the four, actually. I think that he has shown a lot of talent as a point guard off the bench. He's a very good shooter really smart, super high IQ, very solid defense, really just a great coach's player. And that's a guy that we can value as a potential six-man of the future or eventually starting. Dorian Finney-Smith, another guy who's a 3-and-D guy, helps the spacing. It helps the defense a lot. Josh Richardson helps the defense a lot again, who's actually a better playmaker and in, in an off-the-dribble scorer than people think. And I think adding Josh Richardson to this Wizards team will help him flourish. However, 
none of these guys are anywhere near the top and potential that some of the younger players in the league are that we can get offers elsewhere from. So explain to us why you think that this package really benefits the Wizards in the long run. Dude, just do it. We need it next to Luca and Kristaps. <laughs> that's that's all I got. Like this yeah. is a this is not the best package. I know that the Mavericks are rumored to want Bradley Beal, but this this package is the best they can do, and it's just not good enough in my opinion. So, my pitch as the Mavericks GM is just do it. Okay, moving on. I didn't want to seem too mean, but I kind of laughed at that trade when you said it. But of course, you're trying to come up with every situation. So I can't Correct. blame you. So keep All right, last one. It's been a uh, what fifty minutes now, and we've gone through eight trades. So here's our... two for six or two two for I eight. Am two for eight. Yeah, it's not terrible. So yeah, exactly. Like Russell Westbrook's three point percentage. Um, <laughs> so I am now the GM of the Pelicans. And this is one that I've been thinking about for a long time. Andy shot me down. Let's see if he accepts or rejects this. Although there will definitely be some bias in here. Eric Bledsoe, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. This is where it gets interesting. 2023 first round pick, our own. 2025 first round pick, our own. 2025 first round pick, Milwaukee. 2027 first round pick Milwaukee. Woo! Wow. <laughs> Run through the just the players one more time. All right. Eric Bledsoe, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, four first round picks. So of course, the glaring issue is where is that top-end guy, which I continuously say. And and the only two, it's kind of backing up a little bit, the only two trades I've taken have Jalen Brown and Michael Porter Jr., two guys who I think could be superstars. So that's not there. The difference is there's four first-round picks, which for people that, that don't understand, that's really valuable. Looking at who we'd get, though, Bledsoe and Westbrook, of course, it's a disaster, but Bledsoe somebody that we can probably flip for a first-round pick. So that could be another pick. Nikhil Alexander-Walker is a lot better than people think. He's a really underrated young point guard who has a lot of talent. We've seen stretches of him where he's dropping 15, 20 points in a few quarters. Looks like an excellent playmaker. So that's somebody that we have a lot of interest in, not as a top-end guy. Lonzo Ball... Who knows where this guy's going? But what I can say is that he is an all-around player, a very good defender, a really good playmaker, good rebounder, very Westbrook-like in that aspect of being all-around, kind of lacking the, the shooting, although Westbrook, of course, is a way more developed overall offensive weapon, finishing-wise, mid-range. So Alonzo, we have some concerns about, well, we think he can be a pretty good player. And then Josh Hart's the last one. Yep. Josh Hart's a good 3 and D guy. So this one's really interesting because if I did accept it, I'd be going against what I've said in that we need a top-end guy. But four first-round picks is really enticing. It should be. So now what I will ask you, Landon, GM of the Pelicans, is if you have Zion, Ingram, and Beal, you're going to be really good for a while. So... Are these picks a little bit less valuable than they might and they may seem? Well, there are only two of our own. You're getting two Milwaukee first round picks in twenty five and twenty seven. That's so far down the road. Giannis could be in the same position Beal is in three years. And hmm. they like they don't have a lot of room to get better better either. It's really enticing. It should because be. Of- I, think about the defense too. Like you talked about how your team doesn't have enough defense. You're getting Bledsoe, who was all defense last year. Lonzo, who will be all defense at some point in his career. Josh Hart, 3 and D. Like that fills in so many holes for your team. Assuming you can flip one of Bledsoe or Westbrook at some point. You're looking at a nice like two-way squad overall. Yeah, I, I think the squad right now would be more competitive than people would think. I think... 
I believe that alongside Westbrook and Bledsoe having Lonzo, which the three of them together is kind of a disaster, but I mean, you could stagger them. And the defense is there, though. Along Josh Hart's a good shooter. So we're, we're bringing in some pieces that I think can be valuable. The four first-round picks, of course, is where it's at. So, so giving up Beal if he really wants out is really just saying goodbye. And frankly, unlike a team like the Heat or like the Warriors, we have not, no animosity towards the Pelicans. The Warriors, nobody wants to see them be good again. Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, nobody wants them to that. They had their glory. The Heat, they're, they're a division rival. So looking at the Pelicans in the Western Conference, it's something that's, that's really intriguing. And just to say, let's mix it up. And because four first-round picks is a lot, I really think that I could do a lot with those picks. And who knows? We could probably grab a superstar that wants to leave with those picks in the future. I'm going to say yes, because I think four, four first-round picks is ridiculous, and I believe in the upside of Nikhil Alexander-Walker. All right. I, I like that we're getting this done. This was my idea all along, and I feel very successful. And I think you made the right decision because controlling like teams' picks like that is incredibly valuable when you start getting down to like, you know, by then you could have a superstar you've gotten from your own draft and you could build around him by trading two of those picks for, you know, a role player or something. So, and that team, that team, because it can't shoot, is going to be really bad and we'll have some pretty good picks the next few years. Right. But if it's time to start over, yeah. For me, GM of the Pelicans, I mean, Beal, Zion, and Ingram, that is one of the better big threes that we've seen in the last 20 years. I, I mean, in terms of future development too, that's just terrifying for everybody else. Yeah. Which I'm pretty confident the Wizards would laugh at if that trade is offered, or they would counter with Brandon Ingram, which of course wouldn't happen. But Correct. There's that. Okay, um, so Jalen Brown trade is the best one, correct? I think so. Yeah, I agree. So, how about the other two that were said yes to? So, the New Orleans one and the Denver one. Which one would you pick? I'll run through them again. So, for the New Orleans, we just did that. That's Bledsoe, Ball, Hart, Alexander Walker, four first round picks, two from Milwaukee in the future, two from New Orleans. And then we have the Nuggets, Michael Porter Jr. one, which is Gary Harris, PJ Dozier. Michael Porter Jr. and two Nuggets future first in 2025 and 2027. I think the answer is the Nuggets trade. I think having a guy that you can kind of report back to your fan base with saying, well, we traded Bradley Beal, but we got Michael Porter Jr., who we really think has elite superstar potential. I think it's a lot easier to to comprehend if you're a Wizards fan than saying, well, we just dumped him for picks. And you're getting two picks alongside it. Really what sold me is the Michael Porter Jr. value as a player. I think that going from like 9 to 18 points a game this year and being awesome in the playoffs and being 6'10", like it does bring KD vibes. It's hard to ignore it. Like There's not that many guys who can play make at that height at that level. So I, I, I think that's the answer. I agree, and that's why I've been telling people that Bradley Beal is going to the Nuggets. I just think they have all of the – assets all of the tools to make it happen they have the team that's remaining after he gets there to still be a like a really good contender I just think that's the perfect spot for him and it'll really make people consider putting the Nuggets as you know the elite of the Western Conference along with the Lakers and the Clippers right and I think that the Nuggets would maintain the same weaknesses and that that's a a lack of defense because Losing Gary Harris, it's a, it's a big loss. He's a really good defender. So that's something that they'd have to address. But I How think would that, that Nuggets-Nets finals be? <laughs> oh, boy. Tough. A lot of offense. Yup. No defense. <laughs> None. All right. I think that wraps up everything we were planning on doing today. Yeah. Thanks, guys, for listening to the second-ever edition of the Towel GMs. And, of course, keep following us on Instagram and Twitter at the Towel Boys, And like our stuff. Comment. Be a Towel Boy fan. 
or I guess <laughs> another cowboy. I don't. I didn't really know what to say there. But yeah, I mean, uh, keep interacting. We want to talk basketball with you guys. So so thank you for listening as always, and stay tuned for more pods coming out in the in the near future. Always remember to embrace your inner towel, boy.